Sisters and brothers in Christ, grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our light and our life. Well, I bring you greetings from Pastor Nadia, who is stranded thanks to Nemo, probably, we think, somewhere in Ohio by now. I told her it was a pretty lame excuse (laughs) for avoiding writing a Transfiguration Sunday sermon. I bring you greetings also from the people of Prince of Peace Lutheran Church just a few miles down the street on Colorado Boulevard. This morning was my very first morning as their newly called pastor. (laughs) As As fellow members of the same body of Christ, I ask for your prayers as we come to know each other and discern how God is calling us to join in God's work in the world. I hope I didn't completely blow it in my first sermon there this morning when I told the people of Prince of Priest, Prince of, oh, I have to learn how to say it, <laughs> Prince of Peace, that I was incredibly excited by this new call, but honestly also a little bit terrified. My husband says I have a tendency to be brutally honest. I prefer to call it telling the truth, but I recognize there are times when the line between the two is rather thin. Anyway, I told them that I was terrified, not to scare them, but because I am quite aware that even though they have graciously and even joyfully extended a call to me to join with them, my entrance into their well-established community will cause disturbances, large and small, left and right. And because they are a relatively small congregation, the disturbances caused by my entrance into their system will be felt by everyone. I am the rock that is being thrown into the quiet pond of Prince of Peace, generating many waves out to the edges of the shore, and I'm quite sure back again. In a similar way, here at House tonight, my presence is also a disturbance in the system. Small though it may be in comparison to a monster storm on the East Coast or entering into a congregation, there is no doubt that the ordinary rhythm of liturgy here at House has been a little bit disturbed. Not to mention that standing where Pastor Nadia usually does is a wee bit intimidating. (laughs) One of the challenges of being a guest preacher is that I don't know the stories of your lives. I don't know what disturbances are occurring within you or around you, whether at work, home or school, in your relationships, families, or your inner life. That being said, as one human being to another, I am quite sure that that the fact that there are disturbances is real, and that there are rocks being thrown into the pond of your life on a rather frequent basis. Which is why I am grateful for this particular oddly named Sunday of the church year when we read this story from Luke's Gospel. You see, Transfiguration Sunday is the rock thrown into the pond of Epiphany, 
disturbing the rhythm of our post-Christmas calm. Since Christmas, we've been coasting along with gospel stories that each week tell us something about Jesus. Through the visit from the Magi, Jesus' baptism in the Jordan, the wedding at Cana, a hometown sermon. Each story steadily revealing to us just a little bit more about who this Jesus is. Slowly, a child becomes God's beloved, becomes a miracle doer, becomes a prophetic preacher. It's a dramatic evolution. Still, we can take most of it in stride until today. Until this story, when Jesus takes Peter and James and John up the mountain to pray and becomes, well, transfigured. Appearance changed. Dazzling white clothes in conversation with two dead guys. All culminating in a divine cloud and a voice instructing, no, commanding Peter and James and John and us to listen to him. Perhaps like me, your head is spinning and you are wondering what just happened. On the mountain, the rhythm of a gradually brightening epiphany light is upended pushed to the side, blown out of the water by the blinding presence of God. It is a holy disturbance in a stable system. Now, the natural human response to disturbance is to do what what we can, whatever we can, to bring calm and stability back into our lives, which is exactly what Peter is aiming for when he suggests building three dwellings, one for Jesus, one for Moses, one for Elijah. He is trying, however he can, to bring something familiar, something stable to a new and, quite frankly, a very uncomfortable situation. I imagine Peter's brain racing, trying to process everything and thinking, wait, wait, This is all happening too fast. We were sleeping. Jesus was praying. And now this. Hold on. I need time to absorb what is happening. So don't go anywhere. But Moses and Elijah don't stick around. Peter, James, and John are enveloped by a cloud. And the holy disturbance continues. In some traditions and some churches, Transfiguration Sunday is held in August. The beauty of Transfiguration Sunday coming after the Epiphany season is that it prepares us for Lent. In a few short days, we will travel from the bright light of Transfiguration glory to the darkness of Ash Wednesday. And while I am not one who thinks that Lent is all about darkness and being somber and singing songs in a minor key, (laughs) there is no denying that on Ash Wednesday we will go to a very dark place. 
when a cross of ashes is marked on your forehead and you are told, remember that you are dust and to dust you shall return. The shadow of death is not far off. Our Ash Wednesday rituals mark the beginning of a season of Lenten disturbance, five weeks of adjusting our busy lives and schedules to meet on Wednesday evenings, to eat, pray, and be in conversation with one another. Forty days of committing ourselves to examining our lives and intentionally considering the ways in which we are broken and shutting God out of our lives. A whole season of embracing various disciplines of praying, and fasting, and engaging in acts of generosity for the sake of others, all while most of those around us go on with their lives as if nothing has changed. Yes, Lent is a holy disturbance in our lives. The good news of this Transfiguration Sunday, the good news that will carry us into Lent, is that God is smack in the middle of all of the disturbances we encounter. How many times did God show up in one way or another on that mountain? In light from within Jesus, changing the appearance of his face and clothes. In the presence of two dead guys, Moses and Elijah. In the cloud. And in the voice, there is no doubt that God kept showing up everywhere. God woke the disciples from their slumber. God enveloped Peter, James, and John with God's very presence. God spoke. God dazzled. God quieted restless minds and voices. And when all the hullabaloo was over, God a.k.a. Jesus, remained and led them down the mountain where they encountered a desperate man and Jesus cast out a convulsing, crippling spirit, healing a child and returning him to his father whole. The second part of this transfiguration story makes it very clear that God is not limited to our mountaintop experiences, that God cannot be contained in dwellings that become pilgrimage destinations, that God is hands-on in the broken, hurting world and disturbances of our life. I don't know what rocks are disturbing the pond of your life. But I am here to tell you, whatever the rock, however many rocks there are, and however frequently they are coming your way, just as God was breaking out everywhere on the mountain with Peter and James and John, God is in the pond of your life before that rock hits. God is in the pond of your life after that rock lands. And God stays in that pond, no matter how big the waves generated by the rocks. 
down from the mountain, here where we live, here in the familiarity of life, with the glow of the transfiguration light behind us, there is no place where God's promise to be present in the disturbances of our lives is more real than in the meal we will soon share. Here at this table, surrounded by the saints of all times and all places, Jesus, broken and shed, pours his very life into ours, casting out all that limits us, healing our deepest wounds with love, and returning us to life with an awareness of God's presence in all things. And that, that is enough to transfigure our very beings. Thanks be to God.